Welcome. Man, I'm excited to be with you guys today. Uh, if you're here for the first time or just joining us for the first time in a while, we're in week two of, I think, a really interesting Bible study that we're calling Divine Direction. And it's all about making godly decisions. And so first of all, I want to thank a guy named Craig Groeschel, who's a great pastor who wrote this book that we're using kind of as a guide as we're going through this thing. And also want to thank the people at Life Church. They've given us a lot of really cool resources to make this possible. And just very transparently, I want to tell you that most of what I'm teaching right now, I learned from Craig Groeschel on the subject of divine direction and making godly decisions. And it's, it's an important thing because we face decisions every day that affect us now, that affect the people around us, and that affect our future. Um, it's incredible how many decisions we make in a day. You know, do I stay, do I go, you know, do I go to school, do I join the military, should I date this person, should I marry this person, should we buy a house, should we rent a what, what are we gonna eat for dinner? I mean, there's just so many decisions that we have to make, and making godly decisions is so critical, because every day we're making decisions about our relationships, and our careers, and our finances, and our health. And you know what I think about this week? How many decisions do parents make as they're raising kids? There's just so many things. You know, what about school? Are we gonna send them to public school or private school? Are we gonna homeschool? When, is, when are we gonna introduce them to sugar, right? When are we gonna introduce them to an iPhone? Or when are we gonna allow them to date? Should I allow my teenager to have a TikTok account? If I do let them have a TikTok account, should I form a fake TikTok account so I can keep track of what they're up to? Right? These are lots of decisions to make. Do I get the kids braces or do I buy a new house? Because they cost about the same. Right? So these, these are a lot of really hard, important decisions that will impact our future and will impact our kids and will impact the people all around us. We've been saying the decisions you make today will determine the life that you live tomorrow. And as Christians, we know that God has a plan for us, right? We love that verse in Jeremiah that tells us God has a plan for us, and it's a plan for good. It's a plan for future, and it's a plan for hope. God has this great, amazing plan for us, and it'd be really smart for us to try to figure out what that plan is, right? We know he knows what's best, and we know that he wants what's best, and so the best place for us to be is in his will. How do we get in God's will with our decisions? How do we stay in God's will with our decisions? And how do we even know what God's will is for our life? And so last week what we talked about was if, if I wanna know what is God's will for my life, that starts with me saying, well, what is God's will? Like, what does God want to happen? And the best way for me to know what God's will is for my life is just to know what's God's will. And the best way for me to figure out what's God's will is for me to just know God, because the more I know who he is and what he loves and what he hates and what he values and what he doesn't and what his priorities are and what's important to him, the more I know God, the more I'll know his will. And the more I understand his will, the easier it is for me to see where my life plugs into that and what his will is specifically for my life. So last week we talked a lot about the who and the what and the why, and today we're going to get a little more into the how. Like, how do we make good decisions that will bless our lives and bless our families and honor God and point people to him? How do we make decisions that will keep us in the middle of God's will? 
And so let's start this thing off with a statement. I'll just make an official statement to you now. I have it written down. Since you have the model of Jesus, and you have the Bible, and you have the Holy Spirit inside you, making godly decisions is easy. Just follow his example, listen to his spirit, read his book, and every decision will be simple and easy and perfect. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful statement? The problem is, it's not true. It's, it's BS, it's basically silly. What do you think I was thinking? It's not, that's not true. It would be cool if all we had, well let's just open up, let's just see what Jesus did in the exact same circumstance. That would be awesome. If all we had to do was look, if there was a Jesus story for every decision that we have to make, that would be awesome. But you know, Jesus didn't have kids with crooked teeth, right? Jesus didn't have a house payment. Right? Jesus didn't have to decide whether to get immunized or not. Right? Jesus had a different set of circumstances in us, so there's not a specific Jesus story for every single, what would Jesus do is awesome. But then there are some times when we say, well, I don't know exactly what Jesus would do right now. And it would be great if we could like hear, don't you just, wouldn't it be amazing to pray, you know, God, what do I do? And him just to say, takest the job in San Antonio. Right? That would be, <laughs> Then what we want, right? God, what do I do, man? I don't know. I don't know what to do for God to say, sellest not thine house, right? <laughs> for yea, verily, the market has not yet peaketh, right? That would be great. But how many of you have that experience where God just gives you that perfect voice? It's so easy. You ask him a question, bam, he gives you the answer audibly. I mean, that'd be cool. But that just doesn't happen that often for very many of us. And it would be cool if we could find a scripture, you know, for we got a Bible, that's awesome. I, what if we just had a scripture, you know, God, where do I eat dinner tonight? I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna look it up here. God, should I, I'm gonna buy a car. Man, I want, I want to listen to your word, speak to me through your word. Should I buy a Ford or Honda, right? God, just tell me Ford or Honda, I'm gonna look in the word, I'm in Acts chapter two, it says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. <laughs> awesome, yeah, that'd be great. Give me some of that, right? Give me, give me a word that tells me exactly what decision to make, oh, it's great. But the problem is, it's not always quite that specific when we look in the Bible, and so that all sounds great, right? Let's just see what Jesus did in the exact same circumstance, let's do, of course, let's do that if we can. But that doesn't always happen. Can we listen to his voice and maybe he'll give us a vision or speak directly to us audibly? Yeah, great, let's give that a chance to happen. Should we look in his word and see if maybe he's gonna show us something that's very clear and very obvious? Of course we should do those things, but I think God honestly has more respect for us than for him to just make every decision for us. I think that instead, in our decisions that we make, in our decisions, just like in so many other things, he wants to partner with us, right? As we're parenting, he wants to partner with us. As we're making decisions, he wants to partner with us. I mean, he, in our ministry, he wants to partner. God could, you know what, he could have saved the whole world without us. Right? He didn't need us, 
but he chose to involve us. He chose to include us. He chose to make us part of his plan. He chose to partner with us to redeem the world. And it's the same with it from the very beginning, right? Think about in Eden, in the very beginning, he gave us free will and he trusted mankind with important responsibilities. And it's the same for us. He gives us free will and he trusts us with some of the major decisions in our lives. And I would say, I I think God loves you too much to just pre-program you for every decision. Because if he did, then you wouldn't be free to choose to love him back. He gives us free will so that we can make some decisions on our own. And that means he doesn't always give us these straight, clear, obvious answers. But he also doesn't just leave us twisting in the wind, right? He doesn't just leave us to squirm and fail and make terrible decisions. Instead, he gives us this amazing gift of wisdom. I think we're constantly saying, God, tell me what to do. And God is saying, I will give you the wisdom to decide. Tell me what to do. And God is saying, I'll give you the wisdom to decide. I'll give you the wisdom to make godly decisions. The gift of wisdom is one of the most amazing gifts that God has ever given us. Um, There's a really cool story in 1 Kings uh, chapter three. And it's about Solomon. Solomon was the king of Israel right after David, right? And we all know Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived, right? And so he's gonna make a sacrifice to God and he's gonna sacrifice a bull, right? He's gonna lay down this bull, he's gonna give up this bull and that's gonna be a sacrifice to God. And instead he decides to sacrifice a thousand bulls. And so God apparently is moved by the generosity of Solomon and he says to Solomon, you know what? Ask me whatever you want. I'll say yes. Ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, well, I'm gonna be king of Israel. You know what? Give me wisdom. Of all the things he could have asked for, give me wisdom so I can make right decisions for your people, so I can make right decisions for myself and my family and for my life. Give me wisdom. And God was like so like impressed. He's like, man. That's my boy right there. You know, that's, yeah, because he could ask for anything, right? He could ask for, for tons of money or, or good looks or gr- to live forever. He could have asked for a, a long life. He could have asked, God, crush my enemies. He could have said, God, give me a hot wife. He could, God, give me a flying hippopotamus, right? Give me anything. And he said, give me wisdom. And God said, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you wisdom. In fact, I'm going to give you all that other stuff too. God was very, I think, pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. Wisdom is huge. Um, Here's a funny verse, Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. (laughs) Duh, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of like saying, if you want to be tall, add more height, right? (laughs) Getting wisdom is the wisest thing like if you, could, if you could have anything, the smartest thing you could get is wisdom. The wisest thing you can do is to get wisdom. And I think it's so, it's because it's, here's what it's like, because I want God to tell me what to do, and God says, no, but I'm gonna give you the wisdom to decide. And no, no, just tell me what to do. But it's, it's, wisdom's better. It's exactly like that old adage we have about if you give a man, a, if you, what is it, if you give a man a fish, 
you feed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for his life, right? And I think it's kind of the same thing. Would you rather have God give you one answer to one decision, or would you rather have God give you the wisdom to make good decisions? Wisdom's better, right? Wisdom can be reused for the next decision. Wisdom is better. In fact, Proverbs 16 says, wisdom is better than gold, it's better than silver, it's better than rubies. Wisdom is amazing, and I think for us, asking for wisdom is better than asking for individual answers about our questions and the decisions that we have to make. Wisdom lasts forever, and so getting wisdom means you'll make good decisions right now, and you'll make good decisions going into the future. And like we said last week, I guess kind of the bad news is the Bible doesn't specifically say if you should go back to school. The Bible does not specifically say here's how many kids you should have or where you should live or what job you should take. But God actually offers you something better because he offers you the wisdom to decide. So I just have this picture that we're saying, God, tell me what to do. And God is saying, I'll do you something better than that. I'll give you the wisdom to decide. So wisdom is, of all the ways that God directs us with divine direction, I think one of the great ways he does that is through wisdom. So today we're gonna go pretty fast, and I'm gonna give you four quick thoughts on how to get some godly wisdom. You got decisions you need to make right now, get some wisdom. You know that in the future you're gonna be making more decisions, Get some wisdom. If you appreciate that the life you live tomorrow is gonna have a lot to do with the decisions you make today, get some wisdom. Here we go, four quick thoughts, how to get wisdom. Number one, read. Read, man, you wanna get wisdom, read the Bible. God wrote it for you. That's, That's a big thought right there, right? God wrote this for you. Look what it says, this is 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what's true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we're, making wrong, when we're doing wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. God uses it, God uses this to prepare and equip his people for every good work. It's, it's an amazing thing to think that God who created everything He knows how the system works because he built the system, right? He knows how you work because he created you. And God has given you like this owner's manual. You know, your car owner's manual tells you this is how to get the most out of your car, right? God's given you life and he's given you this owner's manual to say this is how you get the most out of your life. As we read the Bible, it teaches us in lots of, we have to be wise enough to get wisdom, right? We have to pay attention to how the Bible is speaking to us and what it's trying to say to us because it doesn't go through and say, buy the Ford, marry that girl, go to this school. It doesn't do that. We have to use wisdom to get the wisdom from the Bible. Some of it, it gives us just straight up imperative, which is easy, right? Um, Thou shalt not kill. I got that one, right? Don't steal. It says go to church. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's easy when it just straight up tells you. That's an imperative, right? That's a straight out instruction from God. That's easy. But if you've read through this thing, you know that this book is made up a lot of stories, 
right? There's a lot of narrative. There's a lot of stories going on in the Bible, and those stories are in there to teach us, to give us wisdom. Not so that we look at those people and say, oh, Daniel is so perfect. Oh, Moses is so, oh, David is almost like a god. That's not at all why those stories are in there. We're supposed to look at those stories. We're supposed to see our stories in those stories. We're supposed to see our lives in their lives. Well, what did they do? How did that work out for them? Did that honor God? Did that work out in the end? If so, maybe that's what I should do. And if not, maybe that's what I shouldn't do. There's just as many bad examples in the Bible as there is good examples. And so we have to use our wisdom to get some wisdom and say, well, which story is this? So think about the story of Joseph. Everybody knows the story of Joseph in, Joseph in Genesis, right? Everybody treats him terrible. A lot of bad stuff happens to him. He ends up in jail. Bad, bad stuff happens to him. But Joseph was patient in trouble. And Joseph never lost his faith in God. And in the end of the story, Joseph is delivered and rescued and redeemed and becomes the second most powerful man on the planet and saves Israel. So would you say Joseph in that story is a good example to us or a bad example? Good example, right? Should we be patient in trouble and hold on to our faith in trouble? Go like this. Go like this, I'm not gonna go on, go like this. Okay, yeah, so that's a, that's a good example, right? Here's another story. Um, in Acts chapter six, I think, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. They really wanted people to think that they were more generous than they really were, so they lied to God about their generosity. And they died right there in the front of the church and they drugged their dead bodies out in the backyard and buried them back there by those picnic tables. It wasn't this church, it was a different church. <laughs> it was gonna walk in through the picnic tables like, oh God, no, it was a different church. Is that a good example or bad example? I'm thinking that's a bad example. So should we lie to God and lie to people so that we appear to be more generous? That's a hard no. Right, so we can learn from the stories. We can learn. I'll give you one more quick one that I just have. It's just from my own. Second uh, Kings chapter two. Um, here's Elisha, the man of God, and he's walking down this dirt road between towns, and uh, a bunch of thugs come up and start harassing him. It's a bunch of young men. Picture like uh, in the movies, like a biker gang, right? They got the leather jackets on and everything, and they. I don't have motorcycles. They're like, maybe they're on donkeys or something, but they're all, right, they're come riding up to him and, brum, 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 and they come up and they start hassling him, you know, and they start mocking him and they call him Baldy. Look it up, man. Second Kings chapter two. So Elisha prays down a curse on those young men and two bears come out of the woods and eat them. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 42. 42 people got eaten by bears that day. Okay, let's gain some godly wisdom. Do you think that those people in that gang are a good example for us or a bad example? I'm thinking that's a bad example. Should we mock the man of God? Okay. <laughs> Keep it straight. So the Bible teaches us lots of ways, right? It teaches us through these straight out instructions, direct imperatives. It also teaches us through these good examples and these bad examples. The Bible's, listen, the Bible's full of wisdom. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's like a light to my path. 
That's a really great image, right? If you've walked on a, on a path in the dark and I don't know where to go, I don't know where to turn, I don't know what decision to make, how helpful is it to throw some light on that path? And that's what the Bible does. It lights up the way for us. It gives us wisdom. It shows us where to turn and where to go straight and what to do. So I know a lot of people say, you know what, Larry, I've tried reading the Bible and it doesn't work for me. I, can't, I don't get it. I, I try reading the Bible and I just, I don't get it. And so um, can I just give you some like super fast, really easy advice, answers to a lot of questions people ask me all the time. How do I read the Bible? Number one, get a translation that you can understand. You know, if you're reading a Bible with these and nows, if you understand it, God bless you, I don't, right? So you know what, people always ask me, what's the best translation of the Bible? Maybe the best translation of the Bible is whichever translation you will actually read. Right, so even if we're gonna end up with a paraphrase, like the message, or something like that, I, I would rather you read that, and if it's off by 1%, I would rather you read that than not read the Bible. Get a translation you can read. Okay, where do we start? I mean, it's thick, right? Look at this thing. Where do I start in there? I'm gonna tell you where to start. The book of James, written by Jesus' brother. It's towards the back. Six chapters, you can read it in 30 minutes, and it is full of like super practical, do this, don't do that, here's how you should live. The book of James tells us that we should all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Does that make sense to you? Would you call that good advice? That's the book of James. You read it in a half hour, right? Okay, well, I've already read the book of James. Here's another great one. Read Matthew. Matthew's an awesome book because it tells the story of Jesus and then it gives us a bunch of the teaching of Jesus. Matthew is awesome. Okay, I read James, I read Matthew. Well, then now start reading the rest. If you want something to kind of just supplement with every day, read Proverbs. You want wisdom. Proverbs is just like, a, it's like pages and pages of these little one-liners of just great, brilliant wisdom. Um, there's 31 chapters in, in Proverbs. A lot of people read a chapter in Proverbs every day. So every day, if today's the first, I read chapter one. If today's the ninth, I read chapter nine. If I lose my place, all I gotta do is look on a calendar and see where I'm at. When you get through chapter 31, you go back to chapter one and just start all over again. You could do dumber things in your life than reading a chapter of Proverbs every single day. Some people say, you know what, reading is just not my deal. Right? I don't learn that way. I'm, I'm a visual person, man. I, I, the words don't come off the page for me. Here's something I got for you, a special gift from God, thebibleproject.com. If you haven't been to thebibleproject.com, you go today. It's got hundreds of like two, three, four, five, six minute videos that will change the way you see scripture, thebibleproject.com. So whether it's internet, whether it's videos or apps or paper Bibles or whatever you do, the first idea, if you want wisdom, read. Let me hear you say read. read. Very good. Second idea, walk. Walk. It's easy to take notes today, huh? One word, walk. Read and walk. Um, Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Anybody not understand that one? Walk with the wise and become wise. Hang around with fools, you're gonna get in trouble. This is why I like Proverbs. Everybody can understand this. And the basic truth is, who you are becoming is heavily influenced by who you're hanging out with. If you hang out with wise people, you become wise. If you hang out with fools, it says right there, you're gonna get in trouble. And I think it's not just, if I hang around with wise people, they're gonna give me wise advice or they're gonna write me wise notes or something like that. This seems like it's like contagious. Like it rubs off. If you hang around wise people, you just get wiser. And if you hang around 
foolish people, you get foolisher, right? Apparently, wisdom is contagious, and I guess so is stupidity, according to this. Uh, and it's not just, I mean, you know, you've seen it in other parts of your life, I bet. Um, here's a great example. For me, I'm playing golf. When I play golf with a really good player, I always play better. When I play golf with a hack, when, I'm, when I play golf with someone who's a lesser player, <laughs> I play worse. So if I've ever played with you and I played terrible, you should know. <laughs> it's actually your fault. Because when I hang around really good players, I play like they play. And when I hang around really bad players, I tend to play like they play. And when I hang around really wise people, I tend to make wise decisions. And when I hang around really foolish people, I make foolish decisions and I end up in trouble. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you associate with fools, you get in trouble. Um, I'll tell you a really wise man that's poured a lot into my life is Robert Emmett. A lot of you know Robert. He used to be the pastor of the big CBC in San Antonio when we launched his church. Robert was my pastor for years. A really, really wise man. It's important for me to be wise in my role as a pastor. And so what do I do? I hang around Robert because he is wise. And some of his wisdom has rubbed off on me. And it's not that he wrote me a note. It's not that he taught me a class or gave me a book. It's just being with him, having conversations, just being with him. So here's what I would say to you. That's important to me. What's important to you? Do you want to be wise about your money? Then I would say hang around people that are wise with money. Do you want to have a great marriage? I would say hang around people that are wise, that have a great marriage. Do you want to be a great parent? I would say surround yourself with people that are really wise about raising children. I think some of us, like we, we, we spend all of our time with fools and then we're surprised when we act like a fool. Or we're surprised when we make foolish decisions and we shouldn't be surprised because it says right there, walk with the wise and become wise. Um, Craig has a really great quote in his book. It says, it's almost impossible to live the right life when you hang out with the wrong friends. Walk with the wise and become wise. Hang around with foolish people, you're just gonna get in trouble. Should we also be friends with foolish people? Yeah, because we want you to rub off on them, right? But I think if we wanna be wise, we should be spending substantial time with people who are wise. If you wanna become wise, read, walk. Ask. Let me hear you say ask. James 1.5, one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. It says, if you, if you need wisdom, say this word and word with me. If you need wisdom, ask. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. <laughs> He's not going to get mad at you because you asked him for wisdom. Look how he treated Solomon when Solomon asked for wisdom. He's not gonna, be, he's not gonna rebuke you for asking for wisdom. He's gonna be bugged that you asked for wisdom. He's gonna be glad that you asked for that. And it's not just that he won't get mad, he'll say yes. If you, say, if you ask God for wisdom, he, he will give it to you. It's a promise, it's right, it's, I'm, I'm looking at it. He doesn't say that he'll always tell you what to do, but he promises that he will give you the wisdom to decide. It, it's a promise. Can you, can you grasp what a thing that is, that God offers you his wisdom? He knows everything. He's omniscient, right? He knows everything, and he wants to share his wisdom with you. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, um, neat passage in 12, 7, I think, says each one of us has been given a spiritual gift so that we can help each other, right? All of us that are believers, that have a spirit living in us, have been given spiritual gifts. Oh, you've got the gift of healing. You've got the gift of miracles. You've got the gift of great faith. And then one of those gifts is the gift of wisdom. But then I think it's verse 11, it says the Holy Spirit alone decides how to distribute the gifts. He decides who gets what. So you don't get to cherry pick, right? I don't get to say, well, I want the gift of music, right? I've been asking that my whole life. It's not happening, right? He decides, right? He, you're getting wisdom. You're getting the, you're getting, he decides who gets what, except for one gift, wisdom. He gives wisdom to anyone who asks for, because it says right there, if you need wisdom, ask for it. So if you wanna make great decisions, if you need some wisdom, Read the Bible and look for things in there that apply to the circumstances that you're in and hang around and walk with wise people so that you can become wise and ask God to give you wisdom. Because by, by his word and through his people and through his spirit, God wants to give you wisdom. He may not tell you what to do, but he'll give you the wisdom to decide. So it's read, walk, ask, and then that's time for the step four, and that is you gotta decide. Read, walk, ask, decide. And I, I'm sorry, I, I always wanted to be one of those preachers that does the points, and they're like a perfect acronym of a word. So it's like, you, it's easy to remember. All you, if, you want to, if you want to prosper, all you gotta do is help yourself. Hear, expect, learn, Prosper, H-E-L-P, help yourself to prosperity. I always wanted to do that, and I just can never come up with the right words. Um, look, what, what do I have? Read, walk, ask, decide. Just remember, wad. <laughs> if you want, <laughs> say it with me, people. If you want decision, just wad. That's all you have, that's all you have to do. So once you've you've dug into his word and you've surrounded yourself with these godly advisors and you've asked God to give you wisdom, then you may feel like, I don't have all the information, I'm not not ready, and I don't know exactly what to do, but at some point, you gotta make a call. At some point, you gotta decide. Um, There's a neat passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians about this. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, and it's Paul. So, come on, it's Paul, right? If anybody knows what God wants, it's Paul. He wrote half the New Testament, man. He, Jesus revealed him. Jesus singled him out of the whole planet and revealed himself to him. If anybody knows what God wants him to do, it's gotta be Paul. But in this passage, he's talking about, he's talking to the church at uh, Thessalonica, so it's the Thessalonians, and he's writing them this letter, and he goes, hey, I'm over here with Timothy and the team, and yeah, we wanna get back and see you guys, but we just can't get over there. Every time we try to come, oh, now there's persecution. Oh, shoot, let's try to go again. Oh, the road's closed. Uh, well, let's try again. Oh, we're quarantined for COVID. We can't get over there. And we're gonna try again. Should we? And now we come to this decision where we're saying, should we just forget it? I mean, should we just force our way and go? Should we wait? Should we press? Should we just send a couple of us? What should we do? And you get this feeling that Paul is just like all of us. He's on his knees and he's saying, God, tell me what to do, man. I'll do it. Should I stay? Should I go? Should I I send somebody else? Should we wait? Should we hurry? 
What should we do? And as I'm reading this, I'm waiting for him to say, you know, and Paul's, you know, saying, I'm, I'm praying for God to help me with this decision about what to do. And God sayest to me, you know, doest this or doest that or goest or stayest or, or waitest or something. But instead, here he is making this incredible, important decision of, you know, should we go? Should we stay? Should part of us go? First Thessalonians 3, 1, it says, when we could stand it no longer, we just decided to stay in Athens and send Timothy. He doesn't say, God gave me a vision and said, stay in Athens. He doesn't say it became crystal clear to us. He doesn't say the words leapt off the page. He doesn't say Jesus walked on the water up to us and said, stay in Athens. He said, you know, at some point, we just decided. We just decided. At some point, Paul took what he had learned in the word and what he had learned from godly people that he was walking with and what God had taught him and the wisdom that God had given him in his spirit, and he just made the best decision that he could. And I'm not saying rush the decision, I'm just saying at some point we have to make a decision. And you can make that decision in faith. And you should make that decision in faith. That verse James 1.5 says, if you want wisdom, ask and God will give it to you. But look at the very next verse, verse six. But when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone and don't waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, right, this is saying once you've asked God to give you wisdom and you've searched his word and he's spoken to you and your godly counsel around you has told you, then it's time for you to put your faith in that and just go. Faith means at some point we trust God's word and we trust the people he sent to us and we trust his spirit in us and we make the decision. And when we make that decision, don't waver. Do it in faith. You followed the recipe for, for, for wisdom, right? And remember, God is for us. He's able to do all things. He's on our side. Romans 8, 28 says he works everything for our good. Even if you, God could make your bad decision for your good. So we make those decisions, not, our faith isn't in us, right? I made this decision, I know it's right. My faith isn't in me. My faith isn't in my decision. My faith isn't in my wisdom. My faith is in the God who gives us wisdom. So if you wanna make great decisions today that will lead to a great life tomorrow, God may not always tell you what to do, but he will give you the wisdom to decide. You just have to read and walk and ask and decide, amen? Real quick, the most important decision that you will ever make is the decision to follow Jesus. Because let me tell you something, you can buy the wrong car and that problem will hound you for a few years. Right? You can make a bad investment. You can buy the wrong house. You could marry the wrong person. You could, you could make a lot of decisions and those things will bug you for a few years, maybe even the rest of your life. But your decision of what you do with Jesus will determine how you spend eternity. That means forever. Whether or not you decide to follow Jesus will determine your forever. And so I would just really encourage you to make a wise decision about that. To surround yourself with godly people and to dig into his word and to listen to his spirit. And if you feel like he's saying to you, you need to follow me, you need to do something, then you need to do something. So here's an offer I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna be here most of the day. 
So when we get out of here today, I'm going to be back in the lobby and I'm going to be talking to people about really important things like golf and, you know, the house that they're building or what their kids are up to in school. And if you feel like today I think I'm supposed to follow Jesus, find me. Go like this. Say, Larry, I want to, I want to follow Jesus. How does that work? And I will help you through that. We will talk through that step. You can leave here today knowing for sure where you'll spend eternity. And the person that I'm talking to about golf or cars or gardening or whatever is just going to have to understand that this is a really big decision for you. If you're with us online, if you'll put something in the chat or in the comments, we will get back to you today and introduce you to Jesus, and you can start a walk today that will last you forever. So let's pray. Father, just thank you so much because you love us too much. You trust us too much to just program us to make every decision. And instead, you've given us wisdom. Lord, we just want to thank you for the gift of wisdom. We want to thank you for the trust that you've put in us, that you've given us free will. But God, we want your wisdom in our life. So we just remind us today that we need to read your word and that we need to walk with godly, godly people and that we need to ask you for this supernatural gift of wisdom, and God, I pray that once you've, we've done those things, you will give us the courage to make decisions and to stand by those decisions in faith. And Lord, if there is someone here or someone watching that needs to make a decision for you today, I pray that you will give them the courage to step forward and have their forever changed by Jesus. In his name we pray, amen and amen. Hey, if you're visiting with us today, we would love to know that you were here. If you'll stop at our Connection Center right across the hallway when you walk out those doors, they've got a little gift for you. I'd just love to give you a call this week and thank you for coming to church. Everybody else, have a great week. Thank you.